Hello and welcome back to She's Doing Alright, the podcast where we are discussing life and facing our fears. That might be the last time I give that introduction. It feels awkward. Anyway, my name is Sarah Carter. I am the host, the creator. First of all, I'm sorry I missed last week and not that anyone was really waiting for it, but I hate starting something and then it just not working the way I wanted it to go, not the way I envisioned. Um, but that's okay. It, being adaptable is one of the most important things in living a life of beauty and success. You have to be adaptable. So yes, we were all very sick in my household. I am still somehow holding on to this cold. I don't know how. I'm over it. I want it to be over. This is the best I've sounded in two weeks though, so I'll take it. So today's episode is a fun one. I wanted to talk about this and I wanted to talk about this in various ways, but I was very much inspired when we went to a Christmas market about a month and a bit ago, maybe a month ago, and I'm walking in to go for a specific item, a skincare item, and there are so many people making skincare. And every single one of them has it marked as like organic or vegan or whatever. They share so many similar qualities. There were so many people. There's like five guys selling cutting boards. Just wood. They're just cutting up wood, throwing something else on top of it to make sure it's not going to give you slivers. And it's a cutting board. Um, some of them engrave it. Some of them paint it. The thing is, there's five booths with the same idea and the same concept. And yet, every single one of these people are out there doing it because they know that they have something different to offer. And maybe I don't know the differences because I didn't get quite close enough to check it out because I wasn't wanting to be sold a cutting board, but they didn't let the fear of imposter syndrome or of entering something that might be oversaturated stop them. That is the point I'm trying to make. As I was walking through this market, I was thinking, how many people want to be here but they're not, or how many people, and I don't mean like as a consumer, I mean as vendors, how many people have envisioned themselves creating this product, selling it at Christmas markets, selling it in stores one day, creating this amazing new line of whatever it is, but they are sitting still 10 years later telling themselves, well, it's not gonna work because there's already too much of that out there. Guess what? Every single time you wait, somebody else gets the idea and they actually do it. You know that um, you know that quote that says, people with half the talent as you will make twice as much as you because they were not afraid to fail. It's that simple. The fear of failure has seriously stopped me from so much, but at the same time, I'm a big believer everything happens for a reason, there's no coincidences. But I wanted to start YouTube when I was 20. I wanted to start a travel vlog. I got the camera. I played a little bit with editing in like the Windows Movie Maker. <laughs> That's what we were using back then. I went on my trip and I decided, no, 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 I can't do a video. I don't know how to do that. I watch it all the time, but there's other people out there who are better than me. I'll let them do it. Instead, I'm going to blog. So I started a blog and that was fine. I had fun. Um, my mom loved it. It was the only way that they could keep up with me really when I was traveling because I was determined to not communicate with people, which is horrifying. Don't do that. Give your parents, if you have a good relationship with your parents, please communicate with them when you're traveling. I don't know how my parents 
did it when I did that. That was horrible. <clears throat> I really just was like, read my blog if you want to know what's going on. I wanted to do that and I didn't because I was like, there's the Casey Neistat's out there. They're doing travel blogging. The thing is, this was in late 2012. I would have been one of the first travel bloggers to be consistent. And first, I mean like in the first hundred maybe. Like I know I could have done so well had I started back then. Cause look at like, it's one of those things like think of where I'd be if I'd started when I wanted to. Um, and yeah. So then I wanted to start a blog. I wanted to do like a magazine style blog. And that was a couple years later and I did it. And then just decided, oh, other people are doing this better. I put money into that one and everything. And I was just like, other people are doing this better. Um, there's people who have more experience, more life experience. They're better writers who take better photos. I guess I'll just let them do it. Or I'm going to wait until I'm even better before I continue this. So I let that one die out. I've wanted to start a podcast for years, for years. And I started a little bit with my YouTube channel, like 2019, I want to say. And that was huge because that was my first time doing something and trying not to be afraid of failing. I published my first episode or first uh, video. It was like six minutes long, not even anything. is so small. I think I literally like wrote a list and like read off the list. That was my first episode and I did not tell anyone about it. Then I think I joined a Facebook, um, the new YouTuber group and posted my second video there. Um, getting feedback and then I started following other small creators and slowly I stopped being so afraid of what will other people think and I started looking at my own videos the way I was looking at these online friends videos. I think too often we decide that our idea of success is some high obscure number that we don't really want to name because then we would have to name it and get specific but we don't really count on the whole idea that failure doesn't mean not hitting success. Failure means not trying. If you do something, like if this podcast, if I do this for 10 years and every episode gets just 10 listeners and I never make a cent off of it, or if I never reach the, the view point that I want to, is that a failure? No, because I did it for myself. I did it for the ones who want to listen. The people that want to listen and need to listen will find it. I believe that. So if there's 10 people that listen to this and it resonates with them, then I don't need another hundred who don't care. I don't need to be background noise for somebody. I want to be helping people specifically. And if my fa fear of failure got in my way, I'd help nobody. With the Christmas market, there are a lot of people doing the same thing. They're posting or creating the same product, but it's not the same. It's, I guess it's like similar products, I should say. And it would be so easy for them to be like, people already know about organic skincare or people already know about, I don't know, handmade aprons that is somebody like they could be like i don't need to be out there nobody needs my opinion or my input on it i saw this quote the other day or a few weeks ago and i screenshot it because it was so perfect for this episode and they said there are other people out there searching for what you have they just don't know you exist yet 
I think that is the most perfect summary of just do it. Go out there and do it. It doesn't matter if other people have already done it. If those people don't know about those people, people A don't know about people B, but they know you, then why would you not be able to take the opportunity to introduce them to that? Does that make sense? Of course it does. You all know what I'm saying. There's something that I think is very interesting about my generation, millennial, and maybe the Gen X people as well. I've seen that a little bit with my mom and friends like that, where women especially, and sometimes men, are afraid to take up space. So obviously like less in the men department and more in the women, but we forget I think we've spent so much time being told to just do the, do it right, just follow the rules, right? Um, and the, we forget that those are not our rules. The rules were made by someone else for them. We may have been raised with those rules, but we get to change our mind if those rules are for us or not. And so maybe their rule is that you, I don't know, you follow your path and you take your courses, you go to college, you go to university, and then you get a job. And maybe if you're lucky, you get married and have kids. And maybe your rules are that you throw that all away, or you don't do it to begin with because you're so sure of yourself, and you decide to risk it all and go for what you want to do. And you don't know the outcome. You stop playing safe. Being afraid to take up space and playing safe are the same thing. That is, it's just a giant circle with those two things in it. They're the same thing. And I'm not saying that it's bad. I don't think if you are most comfortable not, like if you are so comfortable knowing the outcome of stuff, then that's awesome. Do it. You probably won't grow much. You don't really grow in your comfort zone, but also, Life isn't constant growth. I think you can have seasons of growth and then we all hit winter and winter is good. It's there for a reason. It reminds us to rest so that we then hit spring and we continue growing. And that's when we start taking up our space again. My point that I'm making though is that nobody is gonna bring something to the table the way you can. The fear of failure is probably the most detrimental thing to our dreams and to the life we actually have mapped out for us before we're born. I don't believe in, like I believe that we always obviously have choice, but being a believer in astrology, I think it's so interesting how people have strengths and they never know them because they're too afraid to push past that wall or open that door to see like, hmm, maybe this might be a weakness, maybe it's a strength, but I don't wanna know, I'm just gonna keep that door shut open the door, go through and see what your potential could actually be. Like our potential is so huge and we are so afraid of just what? That people are going to laugh? Like that lasts for what? A year at most if you're a major celebrity. I wouldn't even give a year. That is way too generous. People will be done talking about you if you are like Beyonce and you do something awkward they will stop caring within 48 hours. But the people that have a life are gonna move on. And you can also move on. Like, there's very little you can do that is actually embarrassing enough that people will talk about it for years. 
I saw one girl go to a diving competition and fully belly flopped off the diving board. And that was very embarrassing. I feel like people would 100% talk about that forever. I saw that TikTok like years ago, two years ago, I think. And I still think about it every once in a while. But this is, I didn't plan this, but this is a great um, example of the fear. She just wanted to be part of a sports team. So she went to the diving team, tried out. They had literally no one on their team. So then they just accepted her. And she went to this competition and she was able to say, I'm a diver. I'm a professional diver and I compete and she very much should not have been she belly flopped off the diving board and it was very loud and the entire audience was like a crowd of penguins when one penguin falls you know the sound I don't need to make it okay so if you're afraid of failing I want you to first define what failure looks like to you I'll go first mine is that I look stupid I hate looking stupid whether that means i forget a birthday or i forget a name or if i um if somebody like i got a candle for my friend for her birthday she hates lavender and i had the most i know this i've known her for so long i know she hates lavender and i went and bought her a lavender candle because I forgot momentarily that she hates lavender more than she likes white candles like how stupid I looked so stupid and I felt so bad and like lavender makes her sick <laughs> and I gave her this as a birthday present and I hate stuff like that. I hate looking stupid. So that felt like a failure to me. It wasn't. She did not care. She just gave me the candle back and I bought her a new one, even though she wasn't expecting that either. Like literally minuscule stuff. No one's going to talk about that in a hundred years. It's not going into history, history books. It's fine. Another way I classify failure is the feeling of not looking <clears throat> competent, I suppose would be a way to put that. If somebody asks me something, I will try to say nothing. I'm very, very much a fan of using I don't know. If I don't know something, I'm not going to pretend to know. If I know a little bit, I might pretend to know more than I do because I'm interested and I just start jumping to conclusions. A fear of not being perfect. I think a lot of us can relate. A lot of people could relate to that one. Um, when we don't look perfect or something doesn't happen perfectly, that could be seen as failures. When we take up space, we want to be perfect. And there's a little bit of an imposter syndrome in there as well. Um, so how did I get over mine? I just start doing it. So the very first thing I ever did to try to combat my fear of failure was singing karaoke. I grew up singing and it was like, we'd have random guests come over and my mom would run and tell me like, Sarah, go get your tape deck. And I'd have to come play my song and sing for this company. And my sister would have to do her piano thing. But singing just felt so much more embarrassing than like playing piano or playing an instrument. So I felt like my singing had to be perfect always. We also did competitions and it just kind of ruined my love of singing. So then I went, started doing karaoke and I would only sing songs that I knew I could hit every single note. I knew I could, like I knew the words, I knew it was going to be fun. I jam out to this in my car all the time. Okay, I'll sing it. And if I had some songs that I'd sing, but they weren't in the key, I wouldn't even try it because I'm like, no, no, no. What if I sound bad? So 
the very first time that I actually pushed myself to go do that, I was like, nobody cares. Everyone is drunk. We're at karaoke. Just go sing. Everyone's singing and just go sing. So I did it and I went up and I went up a few times. And that was one of the most liberating moments of my 20s. And that feeling of going up and doing, it was the whole thing of feel a fear and do it anyway. It sounds so cheesy, but that's exactly what I did. And then I did the same thing for my blogs. Writing the blog is easy. It's the sharing it with other people, right? So posting that on Facebook to your friends and family or sharing it online, wherever, and knowing that now people know about it. It's kind of vulnerable. So that was the second thing I did was writing blogs and telling people I was writing blogs. And then the third thing was the YouTube channel. That was so freeing. If you are afraid of being imperfect, start a YouTube channel, publish the videos, and try to learn with everyone so you can see yourself getting better. Because my first video to my last video, such a huge difference. And my last video, I look back now, like a year later, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I could do so much better. You're also gonna notice you're not that big a deal. I know that sounds so harsh, but like nobody, unless you're somebody, nobody gives a shit what you do. So just do it and then make them care. So the ones that do, first of all, have an issue with you trying to do something, get them out of your life. They're not helpful. And secondly, it's humbling. You think you're going to post something and you're going to be like, it's going to be crappy quality and it's going to get like a million views. That's going to be so embarrassing. No, it's not. <laughs> it's going to get maybe 10 views and maybe people will interact with it, but they're not really going to care until you give them a reason to care. Third thing would be hype yourself up like you're your best friend. Like pretend that you're not watching yourself. If you're reading, if you're writing a book, pretend your best friend gave you this book to read and that's how you're going to proofread it. So it's gentle, it's loving. You're just mostly proud that she or he accomplished this and wrote it. The rest of it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if there's errors and stuff like that. That's why you're proofreading. But you're not going to look at them and be like, that was a really dumb sentence structure. Or like, ew, why would you name your character this? You wouldn't do that. <laughs> at the end of the day, you'd still be so proud of how much work they've put into this. So that's something to do as well. The neighbor is now snowblowing, so I don't know how that's picking up on audio, but I'm going to end this podcast episode and it's short and sweet. I'm hoping to have another one next week. That will greatly depend on Christmas and everything there. I have my son home with me all week, so I'm not sure how the recording aspect is going to go. We'll see. Um, but I will see you whenever it goes up in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that this episode was helpful and encouraging and that it reminds you that you should take up space. Go create. Yes, there might be people out there doing something similar, but nobody can do it the way you do it. If you'd like to support me, you can, if you'd like to support me, you can go follow my personal account on Instagram, sarah.g.carter, or you can follow the podcast account. Um, she's doing all right at instagram.com, I think is how you say it. And share this episode with somebody that you think might enjoy it. Thank you so much for listening. Greatly appreciate it. I will see you in the next episode. Bye.